there's there's an angel dust song or two that i'm down to do once in a while and but i just can't do i can't like live that and then there's a longer list of trapped under ice songs and i'm like i'll play it <laughs> and it, it better be y'all better go off and have a good time because it's not going to happen again for a while right <laughs> What is up, everyone? Uh, welcome back. Uh, this is the Scoped Exposure Podcast, uh, season three, first episode. Very, very excited. And we're kicking things off, um, you know, the only way we know how. And I'm really excited to be welcoming on Justice from Trapped Under Ice, Angel Dust, Cold Mega, um, Hardcore Legend. Um, and, you know, I say that, um, you know, because I believe it. And dude, I'm really excited to have you on the show. This has been one that I've been personally looking forward to for a long, long time. Thank you, man. That's a very nice thing to say. Thank you. <laughs> of course. Um, so obviously, you know, I, you know, most people who are checking out this episode know exactly who you are and, you know, the bands that you're a part of and, and what you're up to, um, you know, and we're going to cover a lot of different things. I think when I was thinking about guests that I wanted to kick off season three with or even start earlier at the beginning you have always been someone that I've you know thought about because there's a lot of things within Angel Dust or Trapped Under Eyes that I think there's um, context that I think matters or just certain shows or moments from shows that I want to dig deeper on but before we get into any of uh, the hardcore stuff, we obviously have to check some bevs. That's a go-to must here at the show. So it's tradition for the guests to go first. So tell me what you're going to be drinking right. beverage-wise for the show. I hope this isn't like a has been, hasn't been um, covered before, but okay. this is new to me. And I like it just fine. It's not as great as the original, but it's uh, the Coca-Cola Dream World, like limited edition. Oh, that that's a, that's a first here on the show. I can attest to that. Have have you tried this? No, I have not. There really there strange. seems to be a little bit of a disconnect because I'm based in Canada when it comes to access to different bevs. But give me oh, give shit. me the the backstory as far as you know. Um, I I don't know anything about it. I I tried it the other day. That's what it sounds like when it opens. Signature, yeah. <laughs> I would guess it's um just like standard Coca Cola with um a hint of blueberry, which is kind of nice. Okay, yeah, and you know it's it's kind of that eight ounce mini can, right? Yeah, I'm trying to be careful, cautious with sugar. I've been <laughs> a little crazy in my past, you know. Uh, I I'm blanking on his name, but the 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 singer of uh, Harm's Way uh, at the time of recording this has been on his like uh, Coca Cola soda review. I don't know if you've been watching that. Yeah. It's incredible. <laughs> it, it's it's hilarious that it's not even just off of specific drinks. It's Coca Cola only, just at different locations of you know yeah. fast food or or gas stations. So. I appreciate the uh, the nicheness of that. He's so loyal to Coca Cola. It's funny. Uh, I like Coca Cola overall for sure. Like, um, my grandma was like real crazy about it when I was a kid. She would like she had a fridge just for Coke, and like it was a certain temperature, so like you would get just a little bit of frosty on top, like a little slushy. Oh, okay. Uh, it was crazy. If you like came to my grandma's house and you were drinking 
any um like soft drink that wasn't a coke she would she would ask you to leave she'd be like oh, that's crazy. you can have that on the porch that's fine yeah but uh in recent years what i discovered is i like to have a pepsi every now and then just to remind myself like you know it's like a little variation but then it reminds you damn coke is really good um and i mentioned that to james one time and he was like baffled he was like you try that shit sometimes <laughs> <laughs> it was like homies rolling up at uh at your grandma's house and you know with a pepsi and you're like smacking it out of their hands like don't bring that shit around here like <laughs> yeah my grandma would have loved james for sure yeah no they, they would be you know they're definitely cut from the same crop but uh that's hilarious um so beverages for me, I don't know why I'm just drinking, you know, I'm just drinking a regular grapefruit LaCroix, but, nice. uh, I went out and I got some grapefruit juice and I've never just got like a jug of grapefruit juice before. We are like me and my wife are trying to make some like grapefruit kind of cocktails, kind of like experimenting with some, some shit. And then I've just been pounding back the grapefruit juice all day today. So I think I'm kind of <laughs> on a, on a grapefruit kick these days, at least right now. That's inspiring. I, I want to go get some grapefruit juice and fuck around. <laughs> exactly. Well, I'm going to match your Bev opening with my own, and I'm going to cheers you. And thank you again for coming on the podcast, man. <laughs> There's always a subtle fear or paranoia of mine. There's going to be one episode where I cheers it and it's going to be spilt everywhere and it's going to be a mess. But life's over, man. I live on the computer. I yeah. <laughs> Devastated. <laughs> Straight up. Um, well, Justice, like I said, there's a, a ton of things. Uh, I got a, a very healthy dock of just different things I want to talk to you about. But I always make an effort for any new guest that comes here on the show to talk a little bit about their quote unquote hardcore origin story. I get a little bit of context about how they got into this whole thing. And you've done like, interview upon interview like recently to 10 years ago so whether you want to give like the Coles notes version or the super extended version it's totally up to you i just want to know maybe some of the initial things off the top of your head now how you got put on the path that you're on um there's a couple of things i cite as important moments in in me uh finding my way to who i am and what i what i like the most and in context of hardcore and punk rock uh had a cousin who put me onto a lot of heavy music when I was a little kid. I like looked up to him a lot and he put me onto a lot of New York hardcore and some of the, some of the Baltimore bands that were happening at the time. His name is Burl, my cousin, which is a different name. We all have unique names like that. Right. And then, uh, just got super involved. I had some friends. I always cite specifically, um, this show that happened at sidebar. I was, a uh, uh, just started ninth grade. Um, and, like as far as like hardcore, hardcore, there was a death threat and hate breed and out to win. And that was the show that I think has been like the biggest influence of my whole life. Mm -hmm. Like, it's crazy. Like the, you know, it's it, sidebar whole, I think it held like 90 people at the time. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't a big show, but it's like just the nature of it was moving. And i like knew that's what I wanted to be a part of. And I was like, starting bands even before that like i started like punk bands with friends and stuff but after that i kind of started trying to uh get involved with more of that scene so like i was like jamming with some older guys always older guys like started touring when i was about that age um and then after high school that's it like just like going tour friends and saying oh when i get home from this tour i'm gonna start doing this kind of work and um 
just never ended. I'm still there being like, yeah, when I get back to this tour, <laughs> I'm going to do that. You know, it's right. Like, I, I do like the, um, you're just adding in like the show capacity that, that was so monumental for you was like 90 people. And I feel like yeah. that is something that I always remind myself if it's a show that I'm putting on or just filming, it's like, this could be the most pivotal or most important like origin moment for, you know, the, the random kid in the room that I don't know their name, but like I yeah. might've seen them at a couple shows. So I think yeah. it's, it's cool that it's not like, I, I'm, you know, there's plenty of people who've come on the podcast that it was like this, uh, this specific year of this is hardcore, this specific reunion of this band was my first experience that like really changed the game. But like, it can be as something as small as like, Oh, we're just kind of doing a 90 person show. And you know, it's a reminder for, for me to never phone it in when I'm playing or, or doing anything like that. Cause it could yeah. be really important to someone. Like we're like at an interesting time where hardcore is more accessible and as touring musicians and in, on the industry side, we tend to look at like numbers and use that as a way to justify what we're doing and how much it means to people. But uh, that's kind of always was cool to me about hardcore is like, I see videos all the time of bands playing a room. to I mean, literally sometimes to 30, 40 people and it's real and it's authentic and there's people that are taking something away from that that you can't find anywhere else it's, totally. it's just as important as the you know the sold out you know like turnstiles playing fucking arenas right now you know it's like <laughs> that shit means the, the same if not more to people in those small rooms you know it's like more personal if anything you know mm -hmm. yeah and i think like one thing that was kind of interesting to me like you know preparing for this podcast is like um, you know, one of the questions, uh, you had like a really short excerpt from, you know, obviously, uh, outside of doing this podcast, I also film a lot of like live bands and Sonny from hate five, six has been probably one of the biggest inspirations to me as far as how I want to get involved in hardcore in addition to playing in bands. So I remember when I, before I was even doing it actively, uh, there was like, um, a little self-made documentary that he did. And there's like a little interview with you where you were talking about how um you know you were just talking about how sunny has documented like trapped on rice and angel dust and how like you know if you had a 15 year old daughter or or, or son you'd be like you know daddy doesn't have a nice car but like here's all the proof of what i'm doing as well so it's <laughs> kind of that like that kind of funny thing where um just kind of showcasing um the the history of like you know turnstile in your example, being a really, really small band and now it's being blown up and kind of the same yeah. trajectory with a lot of your bands as well. That's a great point. I don't think there's a lot of bands on that level that you can look at, especially for as long as Turnstiles been a band. I think they've been a band about 10 years and it's like, who else can you do that with? And there's all these legendary bands. And ironically enough, talking about Hey Five Six, the first thing that pops in the head, my head is uh, if Rage Against the Machine or like Inside Out, which was exactly the Roka's hardcore band. Right. And it's you can't find a ton of footage of that shit. You know, you can't find a lot of footage of early Rage Against the Machine. It's funny because Sonny's even digging that shit up and <laughs> right. accessible. But having Hate Five Six is like really a cool thing. And what you do is really a cool thing. I liked it that you said that he's an influence. That's cool because he's been uh, such a part of our community where, where I live. You know, I've been seeing Sonny around since we were kids and he's been doing exactly that for so long and getting better at it and uh it's very inspiring to me and a lot of people where we're from for mm -hmm. sure 
Um, can I tell you a very quick sunny story? So um, there's a regional fest that happens up here in Canada called Wild Rose Hardcore Fest, and they brought they've brought out Sunny twice now to film. And I, you know, as someone who's also filmed that festival um, this year, I decided to take uh, the year off filming because I was like, Sunny's going to be up here and doing it, and I had my own festival weekend later, and I was like, kind of like stripped really thin when it came to that, so I had to like. I think it would be better for me to take this year off. So I messaged Sonny a few weeks leading up and I was like, Hey, like, I don't know if you need a hand. I'm cool just to like, let you do your thing. But like, if there, if you do want like an extra angle, um, you know, a manned camera for any specific sets, like, just let me know. So he was like, yeah, let's definitely do that. And you know, that was like, but bucket list shit alone just to be able to get that opportunity to like film alongside cool. of him for his channel but the thing mm -hmm. that was really funny is that um two of the sets that we were filming were zulu and, and knock loose and knock loose being the the headliner and zulu be, being direct support and you know like i've i've take definitely you know i think it's the same with any band like you kind of start mimicking and copying people and then you start to find your own kind of way of doing things so you know when i started filming shows i would definitely do like sunny was my only reference point and then i found my own like way of doing it and and, and packaging it together and so the filming i was like yeah i hope i'm giving you like enough whip pans and like all like kind of the terminology i've learned over the years and he's like oh yeah you're doing great and i'm like well what do you mean you haven't even seen my my video like I'm, I'm on this side of the stage you're over here. He's like, oh, I've been watching, you know, your camera feed on my iPad. And I had like a what? And he's like, yeah, it's just oh, wow. like some big brother shit. <laughs> so great. on top of like, again, just having a bucket list opportunity to, to film with him, but to also get his like, you know, quote unquote seal of approval to be like, yeah, you know what you're doing and you're doing and you do it well. So. Damn, that's really cool. Mm -hmm. So um, I, I think something that I was trying to tie back in with prep for this interview, um, you know, going back to a talk about like documenting and seeing almost like baby versions of people that are just so prominent in the hardcore scene. Now I was watching mm. a, I think it was like a trapped under ice 2011 set. I can't remember exactly where it was, but I was like, who is that guy standing on the side of the stage? And I realized it's like a very young Tyler Mully um from gridiron oh, wow. and and killing me and all and all those bands i was like holy crap like so and and it was definitely like one of those it, it really put this the the time stamp on that uh specific year because i think there's a a moment in the set i think it's during reality unfolds where you grab a a flip ultra hd camera and you're like pointing or it's like some digital camera <laughs> it's like really really funny i'm like man the times have changed um all those things considered, like, I do think that it is very cool that, like, you know, Trapped Under Ice uh, and Ang Angel Dust in the very early days were, like, just within that initial Hey Five Six, you know, area to just have a little bit more of a jump. Do you feel like it was, like, a jumping off point, like, having so much coverage from Sonny? Uh, yeah, for a lot of bands. Um, I mean, I think of particularly with Turnstile. Like how right at the moment when they were like um, having crazy shows, like he was there and right time and place. And then there was, it was like so accessible to see right. what was the craziest hardcore show happening at the time. You know, it's like any turnstile set at the time. Yeah. Um, it almost became like 
I feel like people acted up the way that they do at like, you know, first two turnstile releases because they would watch those videos on Hey Five Six and then they would go to those shows and, and mimic that. Oh, that's a thing, man. When people know the camera's rolling and people are going to see it, they go up. We always, it comes up a lot, uh, like the Trapped Under Ice video for Belief, where it's like, same concept, like cameras are rolling. So people were like, I'm going to do the craziest thing possible, you know? Right. Uh, there's that. I, I the heard on a, on a, on a podcast or an interview where, um, you know, cause some bands, when they're shooting, they'll do like the song multiple times, but you, I think you said that you guys only did it twice, but it, yeah. even the second time you're like, this is getting a little too crazy. Yeah. <laughs> that, that was absolutely for sure. Somebody was about to get hurt. Yeah. I mean, I think people did get hurt, but not anything too drastic. So yeah. It was like, if we go for the hat trick, we might actually like shut things down really quick. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, you know, something that I wanted to, to clarify or get some more context as well, um, you know, like we don't need to go necessarily all the way back into the early beginnings of, of Trapped Under Ice because you, you've told that story multiple times, but um, naming the band after the Metallica song Trapped Under Ice I mm. I heard a video where you were talking about that wasn't a conscious decision, but more yeah. like unconscious or subconsciously. Can you talk yeah. a little bit more about that? I mean, like we were just obsessed with Metallica and Biohazard. Like me, like you know, Sam is uh, you know one of my best friends in the world. But particularly at that time, we were like inseparable mm-hmm. and we were weird. We we're like both obsessed with uh, bodybuilding and like some things that um, maybe people around us didn't think was cool so we like would spend all day every day in sam's garage lifting weights and like learning how to lift weights properly mm. it was hot so we were just always in our underwear spotting each other sweating on each other exclusively listening to uh metallica biohazard um and then marauder probably a little bit later mm-hmm. uh in, in those sessions but uh yeah like never once were we like let's name ourselves after the one metallica song we started making songs and sam brought it up like we should call it trapped in the race and i was like damn how did you think of that shit and uh you know eventually i think as we announced the show somebody was like oh that's cool is your does your band sound like metallica and i'm, I'm like not really why would you think <laughs> but definitely metallica uh is an influence i think even when we first began it was like if you listen to like the demo there's like little moments that like uh might hint at that direction and that's something we kind of discussed in the beginning being like we could just do like a thrash crossover band with some like mm-hmm. hardcore stuff. And we kind of veered away from that, but uh, you can hear little hints of Metallica fandom. Yeah. Especially in the demo, you know? Yeah. There's some like, there's definitely some tremolo picking uh, like as yeah. a guitar p- player, like I can hear subtleties of that. It's not overbearing, but it's like, you know, just, you know, sprinkle it in as you will. Yeah. But it's appropriate. It's not like it's far fetched and, uh, so I'm not offended that people think that it's named after it. It should be named after Metallica. It's one of the coolest heavy bands of all. It's like one of the coolest bands of all time. You know, right? Were at the time were other bands? Did you see them doing that? Because there was almost like kind of a not like an era, but there was like oh, like you could go through the Metallica discography, like oh, there's a hardcore band that exists off of this song now and this song now. Oh, you mean particularly about the song name or the, yeah. like being named after Metallica songs? Yeah. Uh, I feel like there, it, there's a lot of bands named after Metallica songs. There's a lot of bands named after Misfit songs. Mm-hmm. And now I think it's kind of interesting. I'm starting to, to see like a lot of, or at least a couple of bands named after Hatebreed songs. Yeah. Which 
Hate Breed was potentially named after. Is that a Misfit song? Hate Breeders. I think so. Yeah, potentially. Jordan, can you fact check that if you if you got a spare hand? Um, I'm yeah. uh so my my brain is just like uh remembering all the songs that I work on that I made <laughs> with Angel Dust, Cold Mega, Trapped Under Ice, whatever right. it is. At this point, I'm like, I just don't know any of the songs I grew up on. I don't know if they're called. I don't know the lyrics. You know, like right. Uh, but I think it's fair. Yeah. Is is most of like obviously like I'm sure when Angel Dust is doing like a, a Sound and Fury or or you have shows with Cold Mega, there's like practice that goes in involved in that. But like, do you rely solely on the muscle memory and just like being in the in the in the center of the tornado of the song to actually like pull the lyrics versus like yeah, all right, I'm sure. practiced and ready. No, I mean like it's funny. My brain just like retains those songs because i've done them enough and muscle memory is a good term for it like uh if you asked me to tell you the lyrics to write down the lyrics to any song that i've wrote it would be a struggle i gotta like stand and listen to it Mm -hmm. but if i'm with sam and he plays the riff i know the words i'm good you know it's not really a problem to run into occasionally i would say if i'm doing like angel dust playing guitar at the same time i might forget to sing a part you know (laughs) but i know the lyrics i might just forget to sing it though you know yeah um I, yeah cuz going back to the Metallica like um you know naming after songs like something when I was uh going into and I'm just trying to pull it up just so I can quote totally what the actual song is Just by the way it was named after the Misfit song There it is Um so so something that I was interesting whether it was intentionally it was clearly unintentional but like subconsciously you guys naming after that i started to look through the chapter and ice discography and i was like um there's a band that i really like from milwaukee called world i hate and you the last song on secrets of the world is world i hate and so yeah. i'm like are those two connected or is that, is that just like a total like um i can't imagine there's anything any other reference of a song called world i hate it's kind of like a weird wording you know right but, uh assuming it's that very it was... yoda grammar e you know yeah <laughs> <laughs> that was my little star wars influence coming out yeah yes you know? so <laughs> but, um uh, i'm flattered and I, i've seen their name pop up a lot and investigated a little bit and mm-hmm. they're a cool band so I'm, I'm down yeah very definitely a very cool band very good live band um very looking forward to what they do next um so, uh, Justice, one moment specifically that I wanted to to talk to you about, um, and I, let me also say that this is, I think, one of my, because again, being super influenced by Sonny and also filming my own shows, I, I'm I'm always like looking for like what are like the the top gems of all like the archived hardcore sets within the world, and one to me that always stands out is uh, Angel Dust playing um the set me up but just beforehand you were just very intentional about like yo all the ladies to the front all the boys to the back like let's kind of you you kind of set the tone for it and seeing that like the song itself is very intentional that it's a a mic pass kind of song but to see that unfold live um was like it's something i've rewatched countless times i'm i'm curious if you can just talk to me about like that show and and that moment specifically if, if there's anything that you recall from that um so that show if i'm not mistaken was so we played that venue like twice in a couple months 
um, if I'm not mistaken, it was the day of my, my father's funeral. So like, I was kind of like in a mental crazy place already. And I actually came straight from his funeral to the shit. Like I was like on tour and, uh, had like to go do the thing on tour. And it just happened to be, um, it's interesting. Like my, he was so supportive of, uh, this is my stepfather, by the way, mm. but you know, the guy who raised me, he was like so supportive of me making music that it's like in my head, like, this is just like something he would do. Like, uh, I, I remember even talking about stuff like this, about him being like, yeah, like what you're doing is important. Like, like, you know, don't, uh, basically he's like pointed to the idea that he wouldn't want me to miss it if he were dead. Like if it, you know, like, right. Uh, it was just interesting that like it when he died and then when the funeral happened fell on us playing in Maryland on that day, you know, or in DC. So uh, I like played, I did the funeral thing, came in my little suit and tie and stuff. And uh, like literally didn't have a moment to change out. Like I on stage right that moment and the set was just insane. It's what I needed at that moment, you know, mm-hmm. Uh and there was just like a really cool group of, of young girls who are all still pretty active in our community. But at that time they were that age where you just got a fire and you can't control it and there's nothing planned, but I knew those girls just are going to go wild and it kind of became their song for that moment, you know? And mm-hmm. if it was for a while, like if it was like we we're playing anywhere on the East coast, I expect one of them girls just be wild now and climbing on heads and stuff. <laughs> and, you know, there's always moments where it's like, you see in the girl getting off the home girl is just like doing her thing and there's somebody who just kind of doesn't get it and they're like physically stronger so like snatch the mic from the and i i saw that the night before i believe so i kind of make it a point to be like hey don't be stupid man like if somebody's got the microphone like for really for again it's like context of hardcore it's like it's never been about who's stronger you know or like it's like not a it's not a competition to see who can physically get the mic so i just want to make a point mm-hmm. and um i don't even think what i said was that important like i said the homegirls just had a fire and they like ran with it and they like you see it like they, it was like so strategic probably because these are girls that were really active in the hardcore scene so they know that they know what's coming next they know it's some dumbass dude that doesn't get the context <laughs> and he's gonna try to like muscle them so they didn't never gave him the opportunity mm. and it was it's beautiful to be a uh uh you know a piece of that mm-hmm. moment. I do think it's a really beautiful moment, but I don't think there's much I did to facilitate it. Um, it really belongs to those women and, and the hardcore scene that, uh, that I'm like lucky enough to have been a part of. Yeah. In our area. Yeah. I think it, I think you just maybe just set the tone and then let it play out. And I think it just played out yeah. almost like a movie to a degree, you know, like Pat seeing the mic being passed off, like, just line to line, almost like it would be done on the recording. It felt like was like really, really cool. And just, yeah, like that's one of the, you know, there's people that will rewatch sets just because it's like super violent and crazy and there's hype moments, but like that specifically, just like, it was just really cool to see that much um, community effort off of like, you know, happening within like a one minute to one minute 30, you know, period of time. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's a very special moment. I'm glad it's uh, captured mm-hmm. and I get to relive it. And that's again the magic of what you do, what what Sonny does. Mm-hmm. What's um, what would you say if you know 
what would you say is like the top set that you know has been captured by Sonny or someone else of, of that magnitude that you would, if you could only, you know, everything else is burning down at Sunny HQ, knock on wood, because I don't, I would never want that to happen. But if you could <laughs> save one for Trapped Under Eyes and one for Angel Dust, what are the two videos that come to mind? Oh, man. I mean, I guess really at the, at the, at the end of the day, like the one you just mentioned is really important to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, uh, the recent Sound and Fury footage um, of Angel Dust, that was just a special show for me. And I know for everybody in my band, they, they, everybody had a good time. And it was like really, uh, that whole show was significant. But to have a little reminder of it like that. Um, in regard to Trapped Under Ice, I don't know. It's hard for me to, I'm not really good at cataloging stuff like this in my brain. I like, you know, try to focus on, uh, you know, the future and not think too much about what I was doing last year, the year before, but that's what makes having a catalog like that. So special to go mm-hmm. back and revisit it and like go back to that place after I've been in a different place for a while. Totally. Damn. I'm really trying to think uh, a trapped under a set that was just really special. Um, damn. Now I gotta, I gotta look at the, <laughs> you gotta look at the, the live sets. Yeah, yeah. I know he's got some sauce. I know he's got some special. Right. For sure. Well, if one comes back, well, you know, feel free to interject and we we can add that in. Um, But I feel like that's kind of an interesting segue into just like, you know, reflection and, um, you know, critiquing and some of those things. Because something I've heard on some of the interviews that you've done is just like looking back at like past material and, and, you know, outside of the large body of work that that you've done with Trapped on Ars or even Angel Dust. there's there's always this like thing where it's like looking back at like the the first couple things that you were writing about and you're like oh i actually don't feel that way anymore or i've actually evolved in what i thought about that um what do you think is like the biggest evolution for you as a person off of like some of the earlier uh songs that you were writing um i think the ability to look outward you know it's like a when I was young, definitely was always thinking about my own, you know, I had traumas and uh, some pretty weird, rough life stuff. And it's easy to get hyper-focused on that. And I still do get caught up in it from time to time. Um, but I mean, you can just, it's like clear as day, like writing, like reading lyrics that I was writing when I was younger to now it's like, that was my, the only thing I could focus on. And there's nothing wrong with that. that that's, that's real. It's authentic to who I am. But I just feel like that's not a progressive mindset. You know, it's like just harping on what's wrong in the world and more specifically what's wrong about like in my life. And uh, there's more important things than just how I feel, you mm-hmm. know. Um, I don't have all the answers. and I'm not trying to project the idea that I do. But just to consider other people and other things in the world is like a magical thing. And I think that's something that, everybody's been growing on uh like you know the world's kind of taking us to a place to to focus more on um people outside of our own little bubble and uh i i'm i'm grateful that i've been given that that insight you know opportunity mm-hmm. to reflect just not on myself yeah i i think i've you know it 
everyone can kind of joke about like, man, was I like that angry when I was writing this music before? Um, but I think at, at times it's like, yeah, like that's what I was actually feeling. And now, even if my band is like playing these songs live, it's more of just like, this is just part of the art versus like, you know, I am like, I'm saying these words because I like a hundred percent believe it. It's like, that is not the same anymore. You know, like there's, mm -hmm. there's people that, saying about not being being straight edge and now they are straight edge and then there's people that you know do the opposite and i think there's like i think a lot of people will just put something whether it's a demo or like a uh an era of a band on a pedestal and then they just like anything outside of that or any evolution of that it feels like it's taking away from that and really it's just it's not it's like that's its own thing and it stands on its own two feet yeah. but like people need to evolve and people need to grow and um you know yeah if anything that just keeps it interesting in my opinion i think like the earliest work that i've done especially lyrically that anybody would know of is uh the trapped under ice demo and it's i still feel authentic to every word that's said so i have no problem playing those songs mm. and Maybe I speak to a trauma that somebody can relate to and it's going to mean a lot. And that's important. There's value in that. Sure. Um, just again, it's like, I'm just not going to rewrite that. I'm not going <laughs> to, you know, my brain's in a little different place and I mean, I still get angry and I'll write about being angry too, you know, but it's not going to be a whole record. I just, I'm fucking angry. <laughs> you know, it's like <laughs> hopefully a little more to offer than that, but mm -hmm. uh, yeah, it's special and it's authentic and it's, it's fun to relive those songs that were written that long ago. And, you like sing that shit and sometimes it's uh it's therapeutic sometimes it's a little too much i'll, I'll say that like with trapped in the race um like in the times we're playing there there's certain songs that i'm like i'll do that song i'm not gonna do it every night i like can't do it every night you know because i was in a different place and i don't want to be in that place and if i'm singing about it what like singing is like it's what you do at church it's like how you you know what i mean it's like it's like a mantra it's like um it's a very spiritual thing. And the more you sing about something, it will make its way into your, your soul, you know? So yeah. you gotta be careful what you about. It's, it's, yeah. it's definitely important. Yeah. Well, you know, that's, it's very interesting. Cause like, as you know, a songwriter or a guitar player, it's like, Oh, this is just another song. But for you, it could be like, I might ha not have the emotional bandwidth to actually do this song again. Cause we did it yesterday. And then, it's, yeah. you know, is that like a common thing or has that only happened a couple of times where you've like, do, is it, is it okay? Am I going to be okay with adding this into, into the mix? Yeah. There's, there's an angel dust song or two that I'm down to do once in a while. And, but I just can't do, I can't like live that. And then there's a longer list of trapped under ice songs and I'm like, I'll play it <laughs> and it, it better be y'all better go off and have a good time. Cause it's not going to happen again for a while. Right. <laughs> it's like it, the, the likelihood is maybe higher knowing that we can get a good response of it. But there, if there's no good response, there's definitely, it's not, hey, definitely not coming back in the set. <laughs> yeah, that's real. Yeah. That's really, really funny. Um, okay. Well that kind of brings me into a question that I always like to ask any guest that comes on the show that again, has a big body of work. Um, Tell me, in your opinion, you know, and we're not trying to dismiss any of these songs. Tell mm -hmm. me the most overrated Trapped Under Ice and Angel Dust song and the most underrated TUI and Angel Dust song. I'm putting you, I'm putting a little fire under your butt here, Justice. 
underrated. I, underrated is easy for me because sure. I really believe so much in everything that we've done. And with Trapped Under Ice, it's like um, Sam, the whole everybody's in, involved with what we're making, but Sam's a, a, like a riff master. And I'm such a fan of everything he presents. Uh, so it's hard to say what I think is overrated. Underrated, uh, there's... Um, well, before you say, because I've asked this to, you know... Uh, okay, so as an example, I've asked this question to Stu from Comeback Kid as well as Andrew from Comeback Kid, and they've mm-hmm. both given different answers based off of, yeah, I don't really like playing this song guitar, like this guitar riff's a little boring when we play it, but we, it's yeah. more vocally leaning. And then Andrew might give a different answer because he's like, I, I, I just don't want to sing these words again. So I just wanted to add that in if that helps knowing, because I'm sure me asking Sam that he might look at it a little bit more of like a guitar basis versus just like, are people going to pile up for vocals? Um, all right. So for, for trapped under ice, I would say I got two answers that come to mind. One of them would be a song called dead inside Mm -hmm. one big night, which I'm like, that's just a crazy ass song. Uh, and for me, it's like so much of what makes music heavy. It has a, uh, like a three, four, or like a six, eight time signature, mm-hmm. which for me, it's like, that's like the marching beat. It's like that. It makes me feel crazy. Um, and we played a couple times live and I, and it's, I don't know, people ain't really rocking with it crazy like that, you know? Uh, and then there's a song we did on heat wave called move. It's like the outro of move or of, of heat wave. And uh, it's like a, the, the concept was like a DC go, go influenced hardcore song most people in the world have no context of DC go-go. It's such like a niche thing where we live. And like uh, these guys like um, in trapped in race, like grew up on go-go and being from Baltimore, it's like something, uh, I think it was like on Friday nights, they would play go-go on the radio. Sure. So I think we like actually achieved that. And uh, <laughs> I thought people were going to think it was the coolest thing. And it was like, like five or six friends like from dc were like oh shit that sounds cool but everybody else was like what the fuck is that song <laughs> it's such a niche thing like i can't expect everybody to understand that mm-hmm. but uh that was more of a for you guys versus for the people yeah yeah there's a lot of that on heat wave sure <laughs> fair. You know, like, like i was always making the record that um honestly more more so than anybody was a record for me it was like me being like hey this is these are the songs that we had a little theme. The idea was to write justice songs and Sam and Brandon definitely wrote on those and, and they just kind of let me have my way more and everybody had input and just kind of let me have more of my way than usual. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, next time we write something, I think we always have stuff we're working on passing around. And if it comes to light, I think we're uh, the next thing we do is going to be a little more in the Sam territory, which I think the tr- traditional trapped in a race fan will be more excited about, you know, Sure. Yeah. Um, so with, we've done underrated for for trapped under ice. What yeah. would be the overrated for that band, and then we'll move over to Angel. It's hard to say, man. Uh, I guess. Um, Sam would probably be mad at me. I, I love this song. It's not. It's not a diss because it's like conceptually very much Sam's idea, but I just didn't think it was going to work the way it did. I would say it's a song called Jail, which oh, okay. I do love, and I know people love, and but it just blows my mind that like his concept when he wrote it was like, "Yo, let's write a song that's just a mosh pit," 
transition to another mosh pit, transition into another mosh pit. It's like they're structurally, it's so dumb. <laughs> but very intentionally, like it was like something we hadn't done. And I was like, yeah, I'm down. I love it. I don't know if people are going to, and people just go crazy. People love that shit. Hmm. So yeah, I thought like in my head, I was like, people really, there is like a, a psychological side to writing a heavy song and making people react to, to that. But, um, and the case of this, I guess people just want to hear a hard ass riff and <laughs> I, I respect that. Yeah. But yeah, I don't actually believe it's overrated at all. I don't think anything we've done is overrated, but it's a surprise to me, you know, mm-hmm. definitely caught me off, off guard, I guess. Um, Angel Dust underrated i think would definitely be one of the songs off of uh off of yak the last record we put out i would say most likely no vacancy mm-hmm. it's kind of like a weird song uh but it, to me it's it's like so unique and doesn't sound like and there's no band that that sounds like and i think that's the coolest shit you can do musically it's just like create something new out of thin air and like if um people get it they get it sometimes they ain't, they ain't rocking with it it's fine uh i think people like it fine it's not like you know but uh it's not like a huge live hit or anything like that mm-hmm. um most overrated angel dust song damn that'd be hard I, I like take so much um control of the writing in angel dust and uh everything's tailored to what what i think is cool um <laughs> Maybe Big Ass Love. I like Big Ass Love. It's like a really poppy song. It's like really over the top. Um, I do think we didn't capture what I wanted to capture with the song. Mm. So maybe, again, same thing. Like, it's a surprise to me that people do like that song a lot. And like, you know, we'll play. And let's say we're playing a set that, you know, we try to mix everything into the set, like all eras of the band. I think that's what's special about playing live is you get to show off all that shit that you're proud of. Totally. But like, you know, for like leaning more on older stuff, there's always some fool in the crowd being like, play big ass love. <laughs> You're like, like, sure. I don't I guess. know where that fits yeah. to the set. You know, it's like <laughs> it's a bright poppy song. And I I don't know. I love that shit. Um, but yeah, that one, again, kind of caught me by surprise. People love that song. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, it, it is funny. Like, you know, I referenced and, you know, I've had plenty of the Comeback Kid crew because I grew up in Winnipeg where that band is from. And, you know, those are my actual hometown heroes but you know they when they were writing you know wake the dead which is like the song that everyone knows by comic head they knew that it's like this is a this is a special song and then sometimes like there's bands that write songs that they're like yeah i don't know and then it becomes the song whether it's you know um you know i'm really close uh with uh, the speed boys and when i had them on talking about we see you they were like this was just a dumb like one minute song that we were just doing for a comp and just having fun and doing random stuff but now it's like that is the song that has like broken them out into like special song man. yeah it's so special it's funny mm-hmm. um so you know we we've talked a lot about trapped under ice and, and angel does but obviously like cold mega is like something that you're really active in right now so can you talk to me about like just starting because that's just just you that's like your thing yeah yeah so like how did that like the idea because i'm sure like every person in a band always you know talks about some kind of solo project whether that's like your weird death metal thing that is just you and a computer to like doing an acoustic thing when did the idea of cold mega come into the picture for you 
um i don't think there's really a moment where i was like oh, i'm gonna do this thing it's like uh you know we did yak with uh rob schnaff he's my favorite record producer and uh he's been so supportive and helpful to me and i think throughout like all of my recording i never knew what the word production meant you know i didn't know what, when i was thinking like a producer i was just thinking of cool ideas for a song and you know we're working with a producer and i'd be over their shoulder being like hey can you just uh do the thing. I'm like touching things. I probably shouldn't be touching. Can we try to get the, but I never knew the language. So um, Rob was like particularly really patient with me and I would try to explain a sound and he'd be like, okay, what that sound is called is this. And, you know, um, we recorded for like three months with him. We like spent, he was like the longest record. <laughs> I don't think anyone's ever taken that much time to make a record. Um, but uh, by the end of that time, I like knew so much more and was like, uh, exploring like on on my own and i had a lot of songs that i like you know um presented for angel dust that were definitely uh further on my like weirdo spectrum and maybe made less sense as a full band so rob was like dude why don't you just make those songs like you get this shit like you're getting you understand it you can do this you know it's like very again really supportive and in that process anytime i had a problem i could call him and come to a studio, watch him do it and uh, put connected a lot of dots, you know, like through years of recording, I see a microphone that gets hooked up to this thing. I don't know what that thing is. I don't know what that microphone, it doesn't mean anything to me at mm -hmm. the time, but now I know what that microphone is and what that thing that's getting connected to before it goes into the computer or the soundboard or whatever. Um, it's very liberating. So like, you know, initially I was just kind of recording those songs as uh, as an experiment, as a you know, like a little challenge for myself. I'm always trying to challenge myself, mm -hmm. and then they sounded cool, so I was like, "Hey, I'll start putting these out." Um, and I just haven't stopped. It's like I have so much music that I'm working on at all times, mm -hmm. which is nice. Like I'm also working on new Angel Dust songs, and I have a different process for when I'm writing Angel Dust songs with the team. You know, like the team uh, of who Angel Dust is now is like very um interested in what i'm doing and collaborative and they have ideas to to present so that's like the process with angel dust this process and then cold mega is like me in my room at like 6 a.m um like just wired like probably been drinking caffeine all day um probably in like a weird mental place and just like trying to make new sounds uh and the process with trapped under ice is a little different it's like sending sam ideas and vice versa and coming from a different place so it's like you know in my head it's all definitive there's like lines um but obviously it's i'm involved with all of them and there's things i'm gonna do that sound like those other things and you get those weirdos on the internet being like this just sounds like you know it's funny because like we'll put out a trapped in the rice song or something and there's this kid saying oh this sounds just like angel dust and they'll be like angel dust sounds just like the Lemonheads, which Angel Dust literally doesn't sound like Lemonheads at all. Uh, it's just a band that we like, but it's, you know, like you wear a Lemonheads shirt and everybody assumes that like, that's what you're trying to do. Sure. Uh, so like by proxy now, Trapped in the Race sounds like the Lemonheads. Um, you know, it's like, <laughs> but regardless, it's like, if, if I'm working on it, it's going to sound like something I did. If Brendan is working on something Angel Dust does or Trapped in the Race does, it's going to sound like Turnstile on some level, you know? Mm -hmm. I think that's cool. 
it's cool yeah. like that. Yeah, because people evolve and, you know, like, again, going back to that whole, like, putting something on a pedestal, um, you know, to you, it sounds like you're drawing, you know, clear lines in the sand of like, okay, this is, this is how my brain works when it comes to writing music for this specific project. And it's a little bit different because it's more people in the mix. And then there's like other people who are like maybe leading and I'm kind of following or being a little bit more passive. Um, mm -hmm. How do you think, and just correct me if I'm wrong, because to me, I feel like if you are scratching just different itches when it comes to musically, like, you know, like a knowledgeable tide, if you will, like raises all ships. So do you think like, as you're learning a little bit more with like cold mega that that's like, Oh, well I can apply that knowledge to what I'm doing with angel dust or with trapped under ice. Or is it like, you know, is it totally siloed? Yeah. There's like some certain production things I've learned and, and things that I've wanted to incorporate with angel dust and trapped under ice in the past that I just didn't, know the language to even start that conversation with a producer right or let alone how to do it and now it's like oh i fully understand how to do those things so uh you know like we have plans to record angel dust um still not super definitive definitive as to when when or how or where but uh we're going to make an angel dust record and i want to produce it and uh kind of get off some of these ideas that i have that i wouldn't necessarily use for cold mega mm -hmm. And uh, with Trapped in a Race, too. It's like I all these ideas about producing heavy music. Um, it's like an interesting time now. Like since Trapped in a Race has recorded a record, there's like really creative, really good producers that are doing that stuff. I think um, specifically Taylor Young is like pushed the boundaries of what heavy music could be so far, yeah. you know? I don't know if like, you listened to that uh, Suicide Silence song that uh, that dropped today that he helped oh, produce. It. I would. I'll check that out immediately because uh, I, you know what's funny is I actually this is gonna sound silly, but I only just I've heard, I've seen the name Suicide Silence. Right. Um. I met a member two a long time ago, but it's like I've just I've always been on my own my own lane and doing my own thing, and I never gave it a real chance, never disregarded it, but just like was just doing something else and it's funny it was like only i was in an uber a couple of weeks ago and the uber driver was like hey fool you like metal it's in la and i was like yeah for sure so they put on like the metal station and it was suicide silence but you know i, I couldn't tell at first and i was just like what the fuck this is <laughs> insane what is this and he's like hey suicide silence fool you like you know like, <laughs> so then i got in the van with with angel dust like a couple days later and i was like yo i don't know if you guys are into this I'm like, you ever heard I want to listen to it right now. Like, you ever heard Suicide Silence? And I was surprised. Like, everybody was like, fuck, yeah, that shit is crazy. <laughs> like, so we're listening to Suicide Silence in the van. And I think I think Angel Dust in general, just like, uh, just we're in support of that, of Suicide Silence. So, uh, and again, I'm a big fan of what Taylor does. So that's going to be mm -hmm. really interesting to unpack and listen to that. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Like Taylor came on the show. Um, you know, I've I've been able to to do. I've been able to visit, and uh, we. I was recording a podcast uh, at my last job, and we got to record a couple episodes at the pit. Um, and it was just wild to like when you see photos, and then you're like, oh, it is, it is, it is cozy small. Like it, it's oh, just yeah. kind of like that. But uh, no, he's a super talented individual um yeah and there's lots of people that are really like 
really kind of help it help push the boundaries. So, so shout out to Taylor. Um, has, has justice doing production, whether it's like musically or even like vocally been something that you've thought about or that you do, or, uh, I mean, that's, I mean, code mega is that, you know, but as far as me doing it for other people, um, I've explored, I've like, um, you know, riffed with a couple of friends, but I think it's really important that anything I'm doing is, uh, in line with my views of what I think a production should be. And, um, I think in the cases of, I'm always down to write and riff with anybody. Like I love that shit. Yeah. And, uh, but again, like production has a lot to do with your, your view and like your, your personal, um, perspective. Mm-hmm. And in the cases where I'm like, oh, I'm not going to be able to really put my perspective on this. Uh, you know, we just didn't follow through with it entirely. Um, but, uh, you know, I would love to love to produce another band. That's like a big goal. So like uh, I've I've been uh, it's been suggested to me to reach out to you to do vocal production um, for my singer. And I don't think I've actually ever said that to him. Nor have I said that to you. I'm just, you know, it's coming up here on the podcast. But I was like, I don't even know if he even does it. So it sounds like. Is it like more aggressive style vocals? Yeah, I would say it's like, yeah, it, we definitely have like, I would I would call us a thrash core band. So we have oh, okay. thrash parts, but it's definitely hardcore. I'll, if you want, I can send it to you after this. And, yeah, send you know. me some crap, man. Like uh, <laughs> if. If if nothing else, uh, I get to check it out. But yeah, I have some some input. You know, yeah. I don't ever want to like present the idea that, like I'm like I know more than anybody. It's like a band creates a unique identity, mm-hmm. and I can't add to what everybody does. You know, it's like not like it's anybody else's fault if I don't have. But there's certain things that I hear that I'm like, oh, I I get this. I come from the same place. Or maybe I don't, maybe I don't get it. Maybe I come from a different place and I can present something from another uh, perspective. And that's the cool thing about production, man. I love that. Like in the context of, if you listen to trapped under ice, like listen to big kiss good night and Chad Gilbert produced that record that it couldn't have happened any other way. Mm-hmm. Like it's like, and uh, Chad what was special about that was like Chad Gilbert from the beginning of trapped under ice. When we first started, I remember he called me. That's my oh, that's a very vocal dog. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He wants to go out the door. Let's go. <laughs> he wants to get on a podcast. Um, oh, but Chad Gilbert just like I, I, I got a phone call from him where we kind of started. I think it was like right after we put out the demo, and he was like, "Hey, man, this is Chad." And I, I remember not believing it. It's like, "Nah, bro, don't play with me on my phone. Who is this?" <laughs> but uh, he was like, he like nailed all of our influences. He was like, "I, I really hear." these New York bands, but also these Baltimore bands. He's like, I don't know if you guys are really into that. I'm like, yeah, of course, man. You just, he nailed it. Like, I don't mm-hmm. think anybody ever has just like told me what was influencing me and my friends while making music so clearly is that moment. So when he was like, I want to do the record, it made sense. He gets to where it comes from, but he's also uh, produces a lot of pop music and he like writes a lot of pop music and he also loved pop music. And just to hear it through his perspective, through his weird lens, to see it through his weird lens. And it's really cool. And then fast forward to doing heat wave. Um, we had some pretty strict ideas about that, but uh, Arthur Rizik, um, you know, recorded and produced some, some concepts on the record. 
and you hear more of his brain. And uh, I don't think Trapped Under Ice is uh, his lane so much. So I don't know if it's his favorite body of work, but me personally, it's, it's my favorite Trapped Under Ice recording. It's like, I love his brain and what he, what he does and how he views music and to have a piece of that on what we're doing was mm. like mind blowing to me. Yeah. I, I, it's funny that you brought up Chad cause I have thought about uh, trying to go after him uh, for a guest on the show because a good friend of, uh, of this podcast, um, Lexi and Donnie, who both play in a band called spaced um, from Buffalo um, oh, I like space. Yeah, yeah. Uh, when Lexi came on, they were talking about. Uh, I think when they dropped the demo, they jokingly DM'd it to Chad. We're like, "Hey, we really like Newfound Glory. You know, if you want to check it out." And he's like, "Yeah, this is sick." And like, put it on his story. And you know, that band is killing it and, and crushing it right now. But uh, yeah, it, it's cool to see uh, someone from that like where where a lot of people that know of him only know him from the pop punk side of things, and maybe not knowing some of the the through lines of, of the hardcore background as well. Yeah. He's a talented guy, man. Be, like whether, whatever genre we're talking, he's just like a good songwriter, mm-hmm. you know, he's uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun, like doing pre-production, sitting down and I've never, I don't think there's any context where I've done that. We sat in a studio for like, like a week, maybe mm-hmm. all day, every day for like, for, for a week, you know, it was just like, ripping songs apart, rebuilding it this way, trying this, trying this, trying this until you're almost sick of the song and you start tracking it. It's like a whole different vision of the song. So mm-hmm. cool process. I would love to do that with a band. Sit yeah. down. But people, especially I think with hardcore, hardcore is inherently so personal. Um, people get protective, you know, like if I say, Hey, let's try this thing that you've never tried before in your life. And it's like, you're trying to tell your story through, through um these tools that we associate with hardcore um and you really probably have built something really special and i'm coming in and and maybe uh threatening that a little bit you know Mm. i'm at a different place in life right now where i'm like threaten it let's go like come in here and challenge right what i'm talking about um or what i'm doing and maybe i'll see your side that's that's kind of the the game of it's part of the game of production for sure. Yeah. And you know, I think, uh, so this last record that my band recorded, we had, uh, not our entire, uh, not all the songs, but a few of the songs I had sent to, um, uh, Chris Rawson from stick your guns, um, to get his thoughts on production and songwriting. And he really like brought it from here to here. And it was like, definitely like making me think about like, yo, if this, this song is clearly, if it's the intro song, let's make it a full intro song and not have all this stuff in between. And let's push this one to be a little bit more this way. And I feel like, I think that there's lots of bands that could put out great demos and, you know, have some buzz on the internet for a few days and that's great. But I think truly remarkable EPs, albums, whatever, requires someone to come in unbiasedly and to really challenge and push the band and see where things go because that it then you're listening it's those records where you're listening and you're like is this band allowed to do this and it's because that producer or someone in the mix of it offered that crazy idea and it was risky but it actually worked yeah 
I, one, one thing that I thought was fun about Chad and his process was a lot of it was like his awareness of people's perception, which mm. um, for better or worse, I don't always consider, you know, and I do think it is an important part of writing, but sometimes I get like in my own head of being like, I'm going to do what I want. Right. And that's maybe that's not the best thing, but whatever, you know, it's like, that's who I am. But like a lot of times, like, so th- with that record specifically, there was a lot of like really pop influenced ideas that we had before we even started discussing Chad producing the record. And some of that stuff was, and, and probably really good input from him was, uh, you know, like being like, let's dial this, this really poppy thing you're doing back. You know, people are going to expect that not just because Chad Gilbert's doing the record, but also because Chad Gilbert's doing the record, mm-hmm. but um, also because where we were as a band and we were getting more attention and we we're making more moves. And like, what does a band do a lot of times, especially a heavy band that go really far, like in the melodic poppy direction and stuff. And I think we balanced that really well. And I think Chad had a lot to do with that too, because I was ready to just get my little, my singing on. You know? <laughs> um, so this might be a little bit of a topic change, but speaking of pop music, can you tell me about the misery business video with Trapped Under Ice, Devil and Me, and Reality Slaps? Yeah. Um, I will say books. one of my favorite hardcore videos on the internet <laughs> <laughs> outside of like a live set. That squad was just so fun. It was, uh, we were doing a tour with Madball in Europe and we all shared a bus, which in Europe is way more affordable and mm-hmm. um, it's really fun for morale. Uh, but yeah, we just got them playing and everybody was hyped up all crazy. And I, I think we all discovered Red Bull around that time. So like, <laughs> and we didn't know how dangerous it was. So we were drinking like five to 10 Red Bull every night on the bus and nobody could sleep and we didn't know why. And so it's probably like 5 a.m. And we're like wrestling and we're all shirtless. And then that song came on and I think Brendan was like lip syncing it, like just like, cause he's a weirdo. Right. And it turned into like, yo, let's record it. And I think we like described the concept really fast. We we're like, um, like, you know, we're going to put the camera in Brennan's face for a second and then we'll come out. We're all going to be chilling. And I think that was the idea, but it kept evolving. Like and that was all one shot. Like that was the first and only time we shot it. <laughs> it looks so good. It looks like, yeah, I was like, they have had to do this a couple of times. I like, die and laugh and watch it but it makes sense that it's probably a one take because it's like how could you do that multiple times yeah <laughs> those those guys in in reality slap and devil and me they're portuguese bands mm. and they're just so smart and creative and uh they just made it look so cool i like there's like little concepts that unwound while it was happening it was like all right the camera's in brendan's face and then somebody just pulled their shirt off and everybody's like take your shirts off the next clips all of us put our shirts off or whatever you know and it just looks such a st- stupid, simple concept. But I'm yeah. like, that looks cooler than a lot of people's real music videos. Yeah. And it's just a one take. It's not nothing fancy. Um, yeah. It, yeah it, it, it's funny. Like you said, like there's for this half of the of uh, the chorus, it's like, you know, really ridiculous Brendan faces. And then like the second half is just like stone code killer, you know, <laughs> like <laughs> just so hard and then people are like going off and like wrestling each other and then everyone's chill like 
the organicness of it is just like it's it's so wholesome um but yeah, yeah. when i, I mean was like, the last everybody's shirtless and wrestling that was like the majority of time on the bus was mm-hmm. just like everybody drinking red bull and wrestling and shirtless and yeah are you are you still like messing with the red bull oh my god i i like have like a a bad relationship with caffeine in general and it probably honestly stems from that point in my life like i never drank coffee or anything and then like that was ground zero <laughs> stimulants yeah dude like uh i think it was after that tour i went home and i was having like like my heart hurt really bad and then i, I went to the emergency room twice oh god and then i went to like a specialist and got like ekgs and all stuff and they like were measuring stuff with my heart and a doctor came to me and was like i need you to come correct about your drug addiction and I was like, you know, I was like super into straight edge. I was like, dog, I'm not on any drugs. And he was like, you need to tell me the truth. You're going to die. Your heart looks really bad. If you keep living like this, you're going to die. I read specifically, he said, your heart looks like a 60 year old man who's been abusing cocaine for a long time. The way it's, the way it's beating. I don't know if he's like trying to scare me or what. But that was right, the, you're like, that. bro, I just had 10 road bills today. Like chill. Well, I still didn't even know that Red Bull. So in Europe. They have a lot of like energy drinks they give you that are not necessary. They're not Red Bull. It's like weird brands. Sure. And we're drinking a lot of that and Red Bull. And I didn't know there's a connection. I, I was like, it's just this new breed of really tasty soda. Sure. And uh, I like told the doctor, like, I'm not on drugs, man. I taste these drink. I drink these drinks a lot. That's all. I, that, that's all I do. Mm-hmm. Like, what are the drinks? And I'm like, you know, I think like Red Bull and Monster. It's like probably the same category of. He's like, okay, how many do you do you drink? And I was like, probably about six every day. But if I'm partying with the homies, like 10, which is crazy. To <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> He's like, oh, my God, you're going to die, man. Like, do not do that. And uh, and like since then, I've like after like I stopped drinking that, I started drinking coffee and the coffee's not really rocking with me. Um, and then, you know, like I'm way more conservative now, but I'll like spoil myself. I'm going into the gym or something or like. Right. I'm um, about to play or something. I'll have a little, little bit of Red Bull. I won't. I don't even think I'll drink a. I try not to drink a full. Mm-hmm. Can't because that, that shit fucks me up. Yeah, yeah. It's there's been a couple. Of, uh, have you ever had a bang before? Yeah, that's like that's the one I'll do pre workout. Yeah, yeah, there's there's a couple of people that have come on that have told they're like I drank I like chugged a bang and it was my very first time having it and I felt like I was gonna die. <laughs> I actually was kind of humoring the idea of uh drinking some kind of stimulant during this interview and seeing where it goes mm-hmm. or during this podcast and uh it would get it would get ugly. I, I would turn into a real freak for sure. I get like real weird and like I like all the worst um decision making moments of my life I can like cite as moments where I was <laughs> drinking too much coffee or Red Bull or something and then I end up like doing something stupid and like punching somebody in the face and yeah. getting in trouble. I will say one of my favorite interviews from season two uh, was was with my friend Cam. He plays in a band called These Streets and he shotgunned a beer as soon as we started and then I think progressed to, to shotgun two or three more beers and like he's one of my best friends and we were just like fucking just having the time of our lives. I think that there was like it's funny. The clip I pulled from his podcast was like, it was very, you know, quote unquote, hardcore, inspirational, very coherent. The rest of that podcast is like, not, not any of that. It's like the total opposite, but it's like listening back. It's like 
it, it, it it's a way more comedy podcast than hardcore podcast, if that makes sense. Is there, a, is there a podcast where it's like required to get fucked up? That'd be a fun concept. Um I think. so oh, what is oh I can't I think the band there's a band from Texas called Ballista and the guitar player used to be on a pot or used to do a podcast called Six Deep and they would record an episode uh, and and the the whole mantra was we're drinking six beers and we're not finishing the recording until all six beers are done. That sounds awesome. <laughs> I would like to, I, investigate that for sure. Yeah, I, I have to. If I if I get a link, I'll 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 send it to you. Um, since since we're on the topic of Red Bulls, top three Red Bull flavors for Justice. Oh. I couldn't tell you. I'm just like a classic guy. I was in a Red Bull chat for a little while some, with some Red Bull fans. Uh, Man, where's my invitation? I want to be on the Red Bull chat. You got to get in the Red Bull <laughs> chat. I don't, I don't know if it's alive so much anymore, but there was a moment where it was really thriving. Um, Chase from Gay Creeper is a real big Red Bull fan. Angela Owens, the photographer. Mm-hmm. There are some real Red Bull fans. Um, basically, the whole band gag. Yep. Just like, uh, that checks out. <laughs> Red Bull drinkers. Right. Um, there's a couple other Red Bull fans in there, but they, they were like into it. Like every, every new flavor that dropped, like I'm talking about the day of, like I would see it on the internet and then they right. would be all, have like five or six of them pounding them mm-hmm. and sending videos and, you know, uh, telling you their feelings about the new flavor. <laughs> I was like, I can't keep up with you guys. I'm going to, you know, again, I've had problems with that stuff in the past. So, mm-hmm. I know uh, when Canada got a summer exclusive, like maybe for a couple weeks before it hit the States, and I posted it, I I think, what was it? It was like, oh, it's the orange can. I'm blanking on it. It's it's like something and strawberry, and I posted it on my Instagram, and I, I, I could not tell you I was shocked by the amount of american red bull freaks dming me where did you get that and i was like like last summer you guys got dragon fruit and we didn't see it for three months so like don't even come after me so i've never had dragon fruit that sounds great do you remember there was one it was like summer something like uh it was like a blue can oh the one that tastes like sunscreen or 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 uh, bug spray people hated it but i love that i was into that flavor i was really yeah that was a thing that's popular in the chat. Was everybody being like, "What the fuck is?" It? And I'm always, <laughs> I think I'm always the one who like the "What the fuck" flavors is like. I'm always like, "Okay, mm-hmm. I, I like this." I think I just like that's kind of like my thing is like I like new shit. You know, mm-hmm. I can't be like stimulated by the same shit forever. So whether it's like food or like um, music, art, whatever, I'm always looking for that next next thing. You yeah, know? and it's almost. It's almost like you feel better about liking something when no one else likes it. I probably have that. Yeah, probably I think that me. is you because I think you're the only person I've met that fucks with that like heavy. Yeah, like- <laughs> nobody else ever confirmed that, you know, so. Yeah, you know, it's so funny because there's so much uh, Bev lore in my life, like, you know, big... I drink so much liquid death. I'm sure you know what that is, but like I drink so much of that that people think that I am straight edge. It's like, no, I just, I love canned water and I just do all that. Um, my is there band, a straight edge association with that? What's that? Is there like a straight edge association with liquid death? 
No, but I think it's just like this thing of like, oh, you're drinking this because you're not drinking a beer. And it's like, well, no, I'm just drinking this full stop. Yeah. You know, or it's like not available or whatever. But, um, you know, my band, like going back to Red Bull, my band has a a tradition for every show where someone will purchase because we're a four piece. So someone will grab a four pack and then they have to give some kind of toast before we go on stage and, you know, kind of you know, down it to to hype it up. So it's funny because as members have come and gone, certain preferences of flavors have like rise and and fall. So like, you know, there was one point in the band where everyone fucked with watermelon and now it's like a 50-50 split. And so it's like, oh, if I get watermelon, like we might have a bad set because half of the guys are really grumpy about it. Um, so, uh, justice, a couple other things that are a little bit more, just, we're going to jump random topic to topic. And the misery business video was one of those. Um, can you talk to me about Lee from trash talk, um, pulling a pipe down? Oh shit. Yeah. Um, well that would have been some pens, uh, not in Pennsylvania, sorry, uh, in California. I think it's at Talking Head. Talking Head oh, might be talk- the venue. Oh, okay. So, um, so it's the old Talking Head. It's in uh, the Reality Unfolds video. Oh, Tried okay. Down while we were while we were shooting that, and uh, we're like all little kids in that shit. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. It's crazy because Lee was even younger. I think he was nineteen when we recorded that video. Um, but yeah, he was like hanging from shit and going crazy, like like he does. Mm-hmm. And I think there's never really been that person in Baltimore. So people are, everybody, you know, people do crazy shit, but nobody like, nobody does like no acrobatics. Just, <laughs> like big guys fighting and stuff. That's like yeah. kind of, at least the, was the vibe when I was young. So he was like hanging off shit, jumping on people's heads, going crazy. Um, I don't recall if he took down the actual pipe, but uh, that it seems feasible. He definitely was swinging from, there, there's a piece in the video where you can see him swinging from the pipe and mm. creating general chaos. And I remember, it, it's so funny. It was such a theme at that time where we would play or we'd be on tour of trash talk or Lee would just be at the gig and turning up and going crazy. And somebody in the room wants to fight Lee. Like it's, it's always a thing, you know, like Lee's like, yeah, whatever, you know, like I'm down. <laughs> and then the rest of us are being like, nah, it's our friends. We can't mm-hmm. see so like in the middle of all this shit. Uh, that's why I said, I was going to say about a show in California. Cause it's, that's happened a lot. Like him hanging off shit and, uh, there's a show in California where he like pulled, it was like a, what do you call like drop ceiling? Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. I wasn't even considering the fact that it was drop ceiling and we started playing and he jumped up and, and he pulled down the whole ceiling. Like all of it came down on the crowd <laughs> and uh, that like set the tone for the rest of the night. It was. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> yeah, Just really did. derailed it. Yeah. It's crazy. Cause that video was like, I would have been 21 then so we're talking about like 15 years ago and he's still just doing the same shit mm-hmm. <laughs> like he's still just jumping off of shit and doing acrobatics and flipping on people's heads and pulling shit off the ceiling mm-hmm. god bless him it yeah it is always funny that most scenes will have you know their their the group of the the people that are like real crazy but there's always one person that like takes the cake of being like an actual freak like there, yeah. you know, it's like, oh, that guy has a vertical that no one else can, you know, add them yeah. all up. It's not even close. Or this person will 
smack so hard that you will like you will be hospitalized so i think that's a thing that people see like they'll be like uh like the you've seen the no justice last show video i believe is on you gotta hate make five, sure six? You watch it. no it's it was i think it was pre hate five six but uh oh, okay a pretty legendary maryland slash dc band and their last show is like really violent and aggressive and the singer is like an untamed animal for sure. He's just really wild. Watch it. You're going to be blown away. Okay. I think that video like inspired like a generation of people who wanted to be crazy and do crazy shit. And people only want to be so crazy before they're like, all right, this is going to get me beat up or this got me in trouble. And now I got to pay for this thing. Right. It's a rare breed of people who really just are that crazy, you know? Mm-hmm. And Timmy, the guy who sang in No Justice, is. He's a wild man. That's it's authentic. And Lee is. Um, and there's probably a handful of other hardcore fans who just really wild out. But I always see, I feel like there's always like some band who's like, we're gonna I think they saw that they see that no justice video and they're like, we're gonna be crazy like that. Mm-hmm. And again, it lasts like a week because then they like when I'm get smacked or something, and they're like, Oh shit, I can't do that. No <laughs> <one's> <laughs> no. It's like like you ain't gonna tell Lee to stop right hanging up shit. You gonna keep doing that shit. <laughs> That's yeah. what he does. Yeah, there have been certain moments where shows that I'm playing or bands that I'm booking, and I'm very specific. Like there was one show we were running behind as far as starting, and it was like my band's the current band that I played. It was like our second show, and I was specifically waiting for this one band that was coming from Vancouver because I knew that like their drummer. Uh, shout out to Luca was like uh, an animal. And I was like, I want Luca to be here for our set because it will go off if he is there. And we mm-hmm. like pushed it and pushed it as, as much as we can. And literally like, as soon as I saw him in the parking lot, I was like, all right, like let's ring in. And then as soon as we started playing, it was like just banana shit. And I knew that set would have felt incomplete if he wasn't there. And at the same time, yeah. like there's certain times where, you know, I'm looking at festivals or like I'm booking a show and it's like booking, having this band fly in, but knowing that there's like one absolute lunatic mosh mutant within this band who either <laughs> sings or is the drummer that I think just makes for a better like show experience. I'm like specifically excited to um, my band's playing a fest in Tulsa in November and uh, move is playing and like Corey as like, I've been watching him destroy people on Hey five, six for years. I'm just so excited to see him. I feel like that fest will be better because he is there and because he is doing his thing. So he's an animal. He, he, uh, he broke my ribs during, uh, we did a weekend that was hard stripes, angel dust, criminal instinct Mm -hmm. and, uh, criminal instinct was playing this is at anchors up in haverhill massachusetts and dead ass it was like just no music yet just feedback and my man said like yo what's up with criminal instinct or whatever and and Corey spin kicked me in the ribs and just took took out a couple ribs dude. Oh my. like the next day i was like <laughs> fucked up and like tried to sing but like i was like hunched over and like couldn't breathe and i didn't know why at the time right. like i was like oh i must be in pain i don't i don't know why it must right. hurts like too dumb to just con- consider what actually happened <laughs> And the next day I was like having trouble breathing and I was like having like real bad anxiety and I was shaky and I like had to drop a couple of shows because my shit was broke. Yeah. A couple of them just popped. (laughs) Yeah. It's (laughs) I'm a believer in that you should book bands with sick moshers. 
Um, obviously, there's an element of risk with that, but I feel like I feel like most things turn out into a net positive and just having that level of oh, intensity yeah, sure. and, and energy. I, I knew what sure. I was getting into when I stepped <laughs> yeah. in the pit. Like, it's not my first my first real damage. I've been pretty banged up a couple of times. So. Yeah. What's the what's the last band that Justice has pitted for? Oh man, um, I've definitely moshed for bands that I like, but there's like you know it's like different gravities of moshing. You know, mm-hmm. I'd say like the last bands that I like went totally crazy for like Blackout. I was on my Corey shit, you know. Uh, <laughs> uh, Rude Awakening mm-hmm. does it for me. Uh, King Nine does it for me criminal instinct does it for me um and mind eraser that's always a band i say like oh yeah okay if if i'm fucking 90 years old i'm on my deathbed and and all of a sudden mind eraser's playing in the hospital people are getting beat up I'm just gonna lose my mind. <laughs> no <laughs> nurse <laughs> is safe getting out of bed dude it's, it's yeah, going down yeah, yeah. that's really really funny um Okay, this is a would you rather question because I've heard on interviews where you've talked about how um, how the the gold teeth that you have isn't out of like it's it's, it's more out of necessity at, mm-hmm. at certain points. So, would you rather start totally fresh, have a banging new set of teeth, or you have the 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 teeth that you have now? but you add the vampire fangs from the big bite video. Oh man. And and that's forever. I value having gold teeth. I like them. You know, it's like a, uh, it's my identity, but the vampire teeth on some Gothic shit. And that's not really who I am. Although I think that's cool. There's like motherfuckers who do that. And I think it's sick. Yeah. Uh, I guess I would go fresh smile. Yeah. And, you know, and add the gold later. (laughs) Yeah. Throw some, something in there later. Yeah. Yeah. I thought it was just like, you know, I've never, I don't think there's anyone else on the hardcore scene that has been asked so much about their teeth than you. Um, and then I, I don't know if that was intentional for the big bite video to, to like add a little bit in there. Cause yeah. Yeah. I think it's just like, I don't think anybody's smile has been as, um, has been as evolving as mine <laughs> in the time. Cause there's like, you can find photos and videos of like trapped in a race playing where I'm like just missing one front tooth and I don't got no front teeth mm-hmm. and I have a front teeth. And then I got one gold tooth and I got two gold teeth. And then there was like a period where it was like in one year I had like a, a half teeth. They were like both broken half, but it was like veneers that had been broken in half. And then I got them replaced. And the next day after I got them replaced, we played a show and got them kicked out entirely. <laughs> the next day, like I was like, I really just spent, I don't know what it was, like $2,000. And I've never right. had dental insurance. This is all just like, Out of I'll pocket. save yeah. teeth. Um, and then I got new teeth. And then it was like six months later, I broke a front one and had to go get them gold again or get the, get the first gold tooth. And then more recently, you know, it's, so it's like, you know, there's like a year long period where I had a lot of different smiles. Yeah. So. As, as you know, your bands have been documented by proxy, your smile has been documented and the evolution of that at the same time. Also, I don't know if I'm sick. Like I think I'm just a dumbass. Like I, I could be like, 
I'm in the I'm in the pit. I'm crazy. But yeah. I think it's really I'm just like a dumbass and I'm accident prone and wrong place at the wrong time. And I see something coming, I throw my teeth in the way to mm. <laughs> to block it, I guess. Most people do this. Justice just sticks his teeth out. Ah, let's go. Yeah. What would what would be the biggest piece of advice that you would give to anyone who's like who wants to put some 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 metal in their mouth? Go do it at the dentist. Like fools do it at like a, and don't get don't get me wrong, there are people who do it outside the dentist and they do it in a professional way, but there's a lot of people who use metals that are not intended for your mouth. Like mm. gold, like like gold is not intended for your mouth. Dental gold, which is a combination of, of different elements that's catered to your mouth. Like oh, what I have okay. in my mouth, a lot of people use is like actually good for your gums. Like I've had like problems with my gums. Obviously uh, I've had a lot of issues with getting hit in the face and stuff. And gold is like uh healing. I think from what I understand, it's like actually better for your gums than veneers would be. Mm-hmm. Um, but then you have, you know, people's, Oh, like I found this spot that will do it real cheap that shit will fuck your gums up and your breath is going to be stinking in my face and uh, your gums are going to recede and your teeth are going to look really shitty in a couple years. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you just want, like, if you just don't give a fuck about your teeth, I mean, that's a, that's a weird way to live, but if, <laughs> if that's the way you feel, then just do whatever. <laughs> right. But I would say go to your dentist and get your dentist. Some dentists won't and just go find another dentist. Cause somebody will, you know? Right. Yeah. I, I never, I, I've never heard that that there's dental gold and that like yeah, yeah like it makes sense because there's I guess there's um different piercings that like your body will just reject depending yeah. on on who you are as a person or or the the type of piercing so I guess like you know that's the same when it comes to your it always cracks well. me up because you'll see people flexing they got their gold be like yeah this is real twenty four carat it's like so you're a dumbass and your mouth's fucked up. <laughs> It's not a bragging. It's something you brag about. Like, go get your teeth done right. Dude. Right. You're basically like, yeah, my I paid a lot of money. My breast smells like shit. <laughs> like, <laughs> cool, man. Like, no, it's not impressive. Is 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 doing that for you like, um, like a, a one and done kind of thing, or is it kind of like you get one tattoo and then you're like, oh, I I have to get more and I need to, you know, like do as much as I can. It becomes yeah, addictive. I have a couple um, other teeth in my mouth that are veneer in the back. I've had a lot of teeth knocked out. And then I have uh, a chip tooth and kind of in the front here that I'm going to have to get them all a couple teeth replaced. And at this point, it's just like, I'll just keep getting gold because I like it. And um, part of it is an identity thing, I guess, at this point. Um, mm-hmm. But I just like it. It looks cool. Like I love looking in the mirror and seeing something that doesn't look like everybody else. Totally. And, you take a photo of me and they just like they they'll like be reflecting in the flash and it looks like i don't have teeth and i think that's kind of cool um they're a little bit easier to take care of they don't um build plaque like calculus doesn't really attach to gold as easily mm. i don't know I'm a, I'm a fan of it but is there anything like where you're like eating that you had to get used to or like brushing your teeth did that feel strange at first or was it just uh, like nothing uh, it's kind of funny when it's like, um, like a metal, like if you're like mouse open for a little while or something, or like you're eating something cold, it will get colder than everything else. And there's a mm-hmm. moment of having really cold te- teeth that I actually think feels refreshing and nice. Oh, okay. Yeah. So if you're having like a, a slushy or something, it's like, 
it kind of like yeah. stays in your mouth a little longer. Interesting. Yeah, if like outside in the cold, your like teeth start getting colder because they're metal, and I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's like I love that feeling. As a Canadian, I don't know how that would work for me in like the the months of minus forty degrees Celsius. If it's just like my teeth are like actually freezing, yeah, it'll be cold for sure. But. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you're a Canadian and you have gold or any kind of metal in your teeth, let me know your experience because I am genuinely interested. Um, I don't think I've ever shared these details of my teeth before. I like that you asked because I'm like. Yeah, there's things I think of. That well, never- you know, like I think one of the very early things that I've wanted to do about this podcast is like obviously talk about hardcore, but I know like people have interests and in other hobbies outside of that. And to me, that's generally interesting to talk about like, you know, mm-hmm. what people are doing because I feel like it kind of creates a little bit more connection points um, and yeah. creates a little bit more unity that way. Yeah. I think one thing that I do think about is like, uh, when I was young, at least, I don't know if this is still a thing that parents tell kids, but your parents and like your teachers would be like, if you get tattoos, you'll never get a job. It will ruin your life and your career. And there's never been a moment in my life where tattoos have affected anything. I wonder sometimes if people take me less seriously because I have gold in my mouth. Hmm. I do think that's a thing, maybe. Like people think that I'm like a dumbass or something like that, which I don't understand why gold in your mouth would make you a dumb. But sometimes people treat me like a dumbass. And I have to remember. Or maybe it's like um, I've had those moments where somebody expresses that I'm like they find me intimidating or something like that. And I'm like, oh, yeah, well, I have like gold teeth and tattoos and like lift weights and stuff. So maybe that it all contributes to it. But mm-hmm. I don't know. People are people are silly. What what have has there been any like weird normie interactions uh, when it comes to your teeth that have really just perplexed you? Um. Not really. I mean, like, I just kind of forget about it. It's like, just, it's my teeth are there. And I just like live my life. And then I'll be right. outside, my thing, picking up the mail or somebody. And maybe the mail person's like, oh, I like your teeth or something. And you're like, oh, yeah, that's right. I forgot I have those. <laughs> yeah. It, it, I feel like that would be extra weird if you didn't. You're just like, oh, I just like your teeth. And you're like, why are you looking <laughs> directly here? <laughs> yeah. The light catches them right. It's kind of hard to, to avoid, but right. Um. So, Justice, last question. Uh, before we start to move towards the end, um, have you ever done any nude photography? <laughs> Did you see something that you're referencing to? I um, I, I might have asked <laughs> around and uh, gotten some suggestions for questions. I'm, I'm trying. Um, to, I'm trying to up wet my nardwarness for this podcast. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, I did some. Uh, I I don't think any of them actually showed showed dung. Maybe there's a little bit of dung, but I don't think any of dung got used. Um, there's a wonderful photographer named Molly that was living pretty close to me in LA, and we had mutual friends and stuff. And she was so cool. The way she went about it was really fun. And she was like, Hey, would you want to do this? And I was like, yeah, for sure. And, uh, it's interesting. Cause you see a lot of that where, um, where it's the ro- roles are reversed and, um, you know, a lot of, there's a lot of photographers who probably don't even care about photography. They just want to get girls naked. And there's probably photographers who genuinely care about their craft and want those photos, but it's just like a weird stereotype at this point, like mm-hmm. to be taking photos of naked women. It's like, I think we have enough of that. And if you're still doing that and 
you better at least offer something different to the, and I think this is a great example of offering something different, like Molly reversing the roles and, and the experience was kind of cool because you, you can feel a little bit of what a woman might feel like in that situation. Mm-hmm. But the difference is I'm a grown man and like, I feel, I don't feel any element of danger where I shouldn't, but you still do, you know, like you're in a right. very vulnerable scenario and like makes you imagine how it must be for a lot of women who are trying to get involved with modeling and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. maybe they're being taken advantage of in some way, but um, and this scenario was very consensual and cool and very eye opening. And then seeing the fo- photos, I think raised that question um, and that conversation at least. And uh, yeah, I think they came out really cool. It was a little weird and scary. And um, I, there's been a time or two where somebody's like pulled it up on the internet and think they're like going to get me. Like they're going to embarrass me. <laughs> I'm like, what the fuck do you think I am, dude? I'll, I'll do that right now on stage. You know, right. if I wasn't going to get locked up, I, I don't give a fuck, dude. Like, I don't, um, I don't really care about like, like they're, they'd be like, oh, I, I hacked your phone and I pulled this from your personal phone. You're like, I, this is like a professionally done thing. Like I did this with work. intent, you know, it, yeah, it's in a book. <laughs> she made posters of it and shit and fools have posters. <laughs> of it. And it's funny. Cause I've had friends be like, Hey, I'm at this weird party or whatever. And this art person got a photo of you naked on the wall. Mm-hmm. I'm like, Hey, that's cool. Yeah. I'm glad I could be a part of that. But I think anybody who knows me and what I do, I knows that I don't care what you think about my sexuality or my body or mm-hmm. kind of put it out there. And like, but yeah, it was nice to have that. And I look back on that, that work of art, that, that piece that she did, like that she did a whole book that was really wonderful. Yeah. And I look back on it fondly. Yeah. Well, it, it's always funny. Cause like, again, with, you know, what, what's something that I could ask someone that would be like, totally like, how would you know that? Like, and sometimes it's like something funny, like, Oh, this, this show experience. And then like, when I heard about the new model, I'm like, Oh, that could go a ton of different ways. And I really like just like you adding in just like it, it, if anything, it like humbled you and like taught you about like what, you know, uh, uh, a, a woman even if they're not doing like new modeling but like even just that process in in general like taught you and that's really that's really really interesting uh i also like how you mentioned how since doing that you would get like a random text of someone being like is this you <laughs> <laughs> because it brought me back when uh one of my past jobs uh just kind of like when the pandemic was kind of like chilling out a little bit i was doing real estate photography and a good friend of mine, uh, shout out to Nikki, uh, she's a stripper and she, uh, you know, works at a club. She's like one of the most professional people I know. And she made, um, t-shirts and I think magnets. And I was like, I'm, I'm taking photos of this house and I go into the kitchen and it, like the whole side of the kitchen is all just like magnets of, of naked women. And I, and as someone that's doing the real estate photography, I'm like, so cool. I'm like, this is cool, but I'm going to have to, it's going to be a bitch to Photoshop, you know, like later yeah. tonight, because like, I can't, you know, put that on the listing for the, for the realtor. I want a t-shirt. That's a cool, I don't know if I'm allowed to wear that shirt, uh, <laughs> but I want to. Yeah. I want to um, but anyways, I take the photo and then I'm like, you know, zoomed in and I'm editing things out. And then I'm like, 
is that Nikki? And then like I screen grab it and send it to her like, oh yeah, that's one of my old magnets. And I was just like, of course, just randomly at a, at a, at one during my work day <laughs> that I'm just running into one of those. Um, but yeah, it is, uh, that is funny that you every, every now, do you have a, like, like a copy of it at the very least for yourself? No, I don't. I wish I, I like considered, um, getting a poster when uh they're for sale i think somebody was at a showing she did like an art show and there was a poster and i was like grab me one and then i was like wait a second don't grab me one like what like that's weird to have that <laughs> in my house like like who would see that in my house and be like that's cool that you have that like right. anybody would just i'm out of my mind you know but again i, I do associate the experience and like when i see that photo it makes me feel something which art should do as, as the viewer, but even as somebody involved with it, it's, yeah, because we feel something. Yeah. I think having, uh, uh, ultra magnified copy of that feels very much like those sitcom movies where it's like the, the really self-absorbed person. And then they have a giant yeah. photo of themselves and their dog is out or, or whatever it is. And they're on a yeah. horse or whatever. So I, I think that, um, Pete, we I mean, don't fear. I don't really care. About people. I mean, I do care on some level, but I guess on some level I, I'm um, aware of how people perceive me. And I think there's people who perceive me that way sometimes. And it's, and I'm not mm-hmm. while I'm, I'm like, maybe I'm kind of a loner. And again, I like to put myself out there cause I don't care. I think that does something for people, you know, like at the time when trapped under ice was like the big scary hardcore band you could, you know, and again, big scary hardcore band. It's not, I don't know how legitimate that concept is, but um, if you, I remember when Google, if you would type into the search bar, like J, all the things, the most searched things with J would come up. And if you typed in Justice Trip, the first thing that came up was Justice Trip Gay. And I think that's special that like, I was like, made it a point to put my, my personal self, my identity out there on the internet and expose enough of myself to have people question was I gay? And like in the context of hardcore where, you know, it's, I don't think hardcore is, um, and I can't really speak on this cause I'm not, um, I don't identify as a, as a gay person, but, uh, I don't, I don't know if it's ever been a place where, where that's shunned, but I do think a lot of, uh, a lot of the culture of hardcore doesn't welcome or hasn't in the past welcomed, um all different types and sexualities and i think now it's very different right and i think that's really cool but at that time i can tell you this was not a super common concept so uh not saying that i did anything special but i think that type of mentality putting yourself out there and uh and just allowing people to think what they want and disregarding it i think opens the door for acceptance um so that ever came off as self-absorbed i think people missed the point but (laughs) yeah yeah i i do think that we are in a time right now where it's like you can it you can see so much representation uh of so many different levels and it nothing feels forced or tokenized or any of that it's like it's just becoming the norm to have Mm -hmm. 
like multiple members of bands not just be straight white dudes and i think that's like really really cool to see bands popping up that just have that like this is just what hardcore is now and i think that like it it's not like it always should have been that way because i think you have to to be able to course correct you gotta lean too much in one way and then be like okay like we kind of have to shift to be able to survive right so um i really like to see where things are now and yeah it's i appreciate you just adding that of of yeah back then it was like not like it it would have been ludicrous for a band to sound as hard as trapped under ice and to have a a a gay vocalist like like you were saying yeah i think uh when i was young there was i don't i think the thing with hardcore when i was young specifically i don't think it was welcoming to anything like it, there was, you weren't welcome to hardcore. Mm. You had to like fight your way into it. You know what I mean? Like, and same goes for me. Like, again, I've had my teeth beat out a hundred times and nobody it was, no, well, actually was jumped a couple of times in my life. But, uh, and one of those resulted in me getting teeth knocked out. But, uh, like I, I, nobody was welcome. And again, you had to like take some beatings, you had to take some licks and beat, be tough to to keep coming around and be accepted by everybody and stuff and that obviously like alienates certain people more than others because there's certain people who are used to not being welcomed anywhere and they're looking for that they're looking for uh um a door and a friendly face to enter a movement or a, a room or space um and i think that's what's really special about hardcore now I, again i think some people get hung up on this idea that hardcore used to be like really um like uh you know not friendly to certain groups of people and i think that really a big piece of it is i'm not saying there there isn't people involved with hardcore or that were involved specifically um that weren't racist or homophobic or you know whatever those people existed you know and they exist everywhere in the world mm-hmm. but hardcore was a place where more specifically nobody was welcome you had to earn a place which i think created a a special dynamic and there was things i appreciate about hardcore at that time but i think hardcore is the coolest ever been right now because it's kind of at a place where it's like everybody's welcome and if you don't um you know have the right mindset you don't accept people and you don't promote tolerance that's when you become unwelcome and that's really special and i think Mm -hmm. Uh, hardcore is always a little i think punk music in general alternative lifestyle it's like it should all align and we're all a little ahead of society i think society looks at what we do in a lot of ways like pop music is constantly ripping off old and current hardcore and punk bands and um, i think progressively as a society a lot of people will look at our movement and see things about the way the world could be. And, um, you know, we're like a little microcosm of society, but I do think we have a lot of influence over the rest of society. So totally. It's cool to see that for sure. Yeah. To be a part of it. Even if I'm just a fly on the wall, watching it happen, you know? Mm -hmm. And, And, you know, like, I think one of my favorite things is, you know, I, I believe that hardcore has taught me more about how to actually do in things in life. And like the, like, and 
taking that and actually applying that into what I do professionally, what I do in my relationships, what I'm doing in my community, what I'm doing with like my dogs, like all of that really matters. And I think a lot of people can just take those lessons and they just keep them within that world. And I think it's, it really is about just like applying that and and showcasing. Yeah. Like people that listen to hardcore music just get built up a little bit differently. And we have a lot to offer the world and to make it better and to snuff out shit that should never exist. You know, it doesn't exist in hardcore and it shouldn't just exist in the red and the rest of the world. So, um, yeah, I love, um, ending on such a positive note. Um, Justice, one more question before we start to head towards the close. Um, I always ask all guests that come here on the show to end with a favorite mosh-related moment off the top of your head. And that could be a wholesome moment. That could be super violent and crazy. Um, That could be something that you did or just a friend of yours that you're thinking of. Whatever's first in your head is how we how we end the show moment. I don't know if this has been taken because it's such a, um, when you said that the first thing popped in my head, but it's probably, I feel like, just ha- tell me if it's been touched on before, uh, stick man in the do or die fury of five music video. Never. Oh man. That's a legendary mosh pit moment. Um, check it out. If you haven't any, any young viewers or listeners who might not be aware of it the song is do or die by the band fury of five. And the whole vibe is just sick and insane and cool. Uh, and I think it influenced a lot of what people wore for a long time, including myself and the way people behaved in the mosh pit, including myself. And uh, Stickman, the singer, who's a walking legend, does a significant move, um, maybe just past the halfway point in the later half of the song um, that I've seen people emulate in the mosh pit a lot of times but never with the same style and grace. Right. Is is that the quote unquote helicopter kind of spin? Yeah. I, I know Michael of Pain of Truth. Um, he would rock that at a, at a lot of their live shows, yeah, for sure. but in, 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 in homage to him, obviously. Yeah. I feel like that aligns with the values of Pain of Truth for sure. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and, and that is wild, honestly, because uh, this next weekend, uh, I'm going out playing a fest uh, and filming a fest in Toronto that Pain of Truth is headlining. So I'm sure I'll see that. And then the weekend after, I will be at a fest in uh, Northern California in the Bay that Fury of Five is playing. So I might get to witness both within. Fury of Five is playing the Bay? I think Fury of Five, yes. It's going to be so fucking cool, man. I'm really jealous of you. <laughs> I'm I'm going to just triple check that. Pain uh, of Truth is going to be cool, too. But just Fury of Five plays so much less. I mean, there's, I know they're active. They're playing shows, so it, yes. it makes sense. I just didn't know they were playing the West Coast. Damn. So, Northern Alliance 2022. Main, headli- main headliners are E-Town, Comeback Kid, Lionheart, Fury of Five, Shattered Realm, <laughs> Section Hate, and Ended. That's going to be incredible straight up. Yeah, dude. Look at lineup. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, unfortunately, yeah. unfortunately you're on the opposite side of the world um, when yeah. that's going down. But um, uh, Justice, honestly, what a way to kickstart uh, season three of this podcast. I really, really appreciate your time. Uh, anything that you want to plug, shout out, or send the people off with before we wrap up is the floor is yours, my friend. Uh, this is the hardest part of any 
um, <laughs> conversation and interview? Uh, I don't know, man. That's like hardcore and rock and roll and punk rock music and mm-hmm. people who are living it authentically and accepting of others. So people who are doing right and contributing to this little world that I love so much. Thank you. And I appreciate you. And, and what you're doing right now is a great example of that. So I appreciate you. Thank you for having me. That means a lot to me. Obviously all of justice's links will be in the description. Go listen to cold mega, go listen to angel dust, go listen to trapped under ice. And dude, again, thank you for the amazing conversation. I hope that we get to cross paths one day. Yeah. Thank you. I'm sure sooner than later.